Welcome to the Grow Old With Me podcast, where we connect our family to yours through openness and vulnerability, while keeping God's truth at the center of our discussions. Hello and welcome back to the Grow Old With Me podcast. Again, this is Peter with my wife, Crystal, uh, now beginning episode 10. Uh, and the topic on this one is uh, probably the most uncomfortable topic that we have discussed yet so far. Um, and probably, as our disclaimer, um, the one we're least excited about talking about. Uh, this one is called Lust and Marriage. And it's one, though, we're not excited about talking about. I think it is something that needs to be talked about within the church and within marriages. It's something that touches most families, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think for me and Crystal, too, I think this is, uh, even in, in our vision and our, our hopes for this podcast, um, we kind of knew that, that our story should come out um, regarding this and um, really felt like God was putting it on our hearts to, to discuss this to the general public. So why don't we start with the definition of lust? Um, lust is a psychological force producing intense wanting for an object or circumstance fulfilling the emotion. Um, and that is from Wikipedia. So that's kind of what we're working with. And um, specifically, we're, we're looking at um, men lusting after women. Um, and in this one with marriage, we're talking about married men um, desiring women who are not their wives. Uh, and, and this one is, is something that I think a lot of people listening to this, specifically um, wives, you might instantly kind of be appalled and say, no, 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 not my husband. Um, but but we just we we want there to be some some truth out there and, and realize that um, uh, Crystal thought that about me at one point and um, the the truth came out that that I had failed her in this area um, and and that story will kind of come out in as this podcast goes on um, but we just we, we kind of want to tell you um, that there's a battle out there for all men um, and and it's not just reserved for for the dirty men who are. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's this. It's that Satan prowls around like a lion, um, looking for for anybody he can find. Yeah, we, I have been reading a blog called "A Mother Far From Home," and it's a uh, she did a series on pornography and how prevalent it is and how it affects families. And I'm just gonna quote a little thing from there. It says, "This is no longer an issue reserved for perverts or pedophiles." It's something that can affect everyone, Christians included. It is not relegated to heathens or those who come from bad homes. No, in fact, the founder of Adult Video News put it this way. Porn doesn't have a demographic. It goes across all demographics. And I think I think it's true. I think there are many families struggling with pornography or lust or whatever it may be. And yeah, like Peter said, it's not something that we're particularly excited to talk about because there are wounds there that neither of us are are happy about. But I think it is something that families need to be addressing and not pretending that it doesn't exist. Especially in, in today's culture, it seems like um, we're inundated with sexual material and images. Um, where I think I was trying to allude before that it, it may have seemed in the past that if um, a man wanted to find images uh, f for lustful purposes that he'd have to be deliberate and even even sneaky about it. And that would kind of make him um, seem um, far worse than what it is now is that um, 
young boys, uh, even um, elementary age children are exposed to images that they have no right seeing um, simply from walking into a mall and looking at uh, what's on the walls or uh, watching a TV show and seeing an advertisement that is geared inappropriately or scanning the internet and seeing an advertisement on a, on a children's website. Um, it, it doesn't, um, it, no one's really immune no matter where you go. It could simply be driving on the interstate. There's billboards that are inappropriate. Um, it, 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 sexual advertising seems to be targeting men everywhere. Um. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we all know how prevalent it is and and what uh, what a problem it is. And I think with this podcast, we just want to bring it into the light. Um, so I think for our story's sake, when we were first married, I think about a year into our marriage, I just started asking questions. I'm not really sure exactly why. I think God just maybe prompted me to. Right. I think God has um, a way of bringing sin to light. And in this particular part of our marriage, uh, I was sinning. And I was trying to keep it a secret from Crystal is that I was uh, deliberately seeking out images on our television that I could look at for no other reason than to lust at women. Um, So Crystal started asking me these questions and... um, I was honest with her about how it happened, um, what I had been doing, um, but it, it started um, a huge wave, I think, uh, an effect that I, I always knew it was wrong, but maybe had no idea, um, though I didn't want to know. I justified it myself on, on how it would have such a, a long-lasting impact on our marriage and, and how, um, how deeply it would hurt my wife. And I think for me, I think my biggest regret in all of it is not bringing it to the light sooner um, or like seeking professional help. I think we tried to hide it and deal with it on our own. And I think it just caused a lot of issues. Um, For me, I got really controlling and that's something that I still struggle with. I still struggle with um, trying to control what Peter's looking at or taking in or whatever and a lot of distrust and a lot of anger so I think I think in relationships we just need to be we need to be talking about it and working through it together because I think when we're not getting the help we need and we're trying to hide it that's when more sin occurs like I have sinned a lot in this area just from my anger of it or my controlling behavior yeah, I feel like you just said when we don't get help, uh, things kind of perpetuate and get worse. And I think that's what happens with this particular issue, especially among men, is that um, they find themselves in in a, a hole of sin and um, they look around and, and they feel like nobody else is struggling in that way or maybe they feel like it is, but there's not an open platform to have a conversation or confess those sins. Uh, it And it kind of turns into this this spot of loneliness and i think what it's doing to men in general to men is it's it's rendering them ineffective for christ as they they find themselves in this 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 hole of shame and guilt that they're perpetuating these sins over and over again and um even if they want to get out they find themselves trapped and uh what it does though is it it makes it so that um they're living in that shame and guilt and anger and and obviously then that's gonna make them so that they're not 
being as close to Jesus Christ as they're supposed to be, or also as close to their wives as they're supposed to. So there's definitely some, um, outside of the, obviously what's going on with the sin itself is that that sins have intrinsic um, side effects on, on the men themselves. And I think what Peter was talking about, how men, it seems like they are victims in it as well because they're living in the shame and guilt and the anger um, at themselves for doing what they're doing. But I think women suffer from low self-esteem and maybe some feelings of inadequacy and distrust, um, just wanting to feel like their husbands admire them or respect them even. Yeah. And I think in both cases, we are sinning because... We need to go to Christ for our ultimate fulfillment. And in both cases, we're seeking the wrong things for fulfillment. Men are looking at inappropriate things that they think are going to make them feel good. And ultimately, it doesn't. I think when a man yeah. looks at a woman lustfully, maybe he appreciates how she looks or whatever. But I think ultimately, it ends up making him feel garbagey. Yeah. And I think women, too. I think... Um, I think Peter has said that in our marriage before that uh, me trying to control things so much that it was almost like he, it perpetuated my mistrust of him because it was almost like he couldn't do something on his own. Like if he were being honest or truthful, it was almost like I thought that it was because of me that he was being that way because of my control. And that's just completely... Right. Wrong. I think I think what it comes down to, I just remember uh, like early on in our marriage, we, we read this book called Love and Respect, uh, which basically outlined that a primary need for women is that they want to feel loved or cherished. And a primary need for men is that they want to feel respected. And I think that this particular sin in our marriage anyway has completely uh, done the opposite of those feelings that that by me looking at other women besides my wife, um, it's made Crystal feel like she's not cherished, loved, or valued as beautiful. And I think maybe her response um, in, in anger or um, even controlling behavior has, has made me feel disrespected. And I think the possibility of that, I mean, it all perpetuated from the sin that I did. Um, but it, 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 it kind of undid how God designed marriage to be. So mm -hmm. we've had to really combat that and try to make our marriage healthy again. And I think um, Satan really knows what he's doing because he is not only rendering men ineffective for Christ because they're sitting in shame and guilt, but he's also rendering women ineffective for Christ because they're sinning um, by trying to like maybe gain control of their husband's admiration or affections or whatever it is. And then they're feeling like inadequate. And I think that in itself can be... Right. Kind of a replacement for what Christ's design was. But I think that's something important to remember is that Christ does have a design for marriage. And he's not absent. Um, there is hope. And he can redeem what is broken. He can forgive the sinful. And he can, uh, he can fix marriages that have gone down the wrong path. And, and we know it because we're on that path. We're, we're being fixed. And I don't mean to say that um, we're perfect or have things figured out. But I, I do mean to say that we're communicating with each other and that we're working through our issues together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's what God wants is for, for our marriage to go back to the love and respect model where Crystal feels loved by me and I feel respected by her. And I think I was in a Bible study once where they talked about how we need to be thankful for the hard things that we go through. And I'm like, why should we be thankful for that? 
Um, but I, I do think I would say out of all of this happening, I do think that it has built a stronger relationship between us. And I feel like more open communication than, than we had in our first year of marriage, for sure. sure. So I think that is one positive yeah. that is driving our marriage toward Christ. That it's true. And I'm with you on that one though, is that it, it if I could go back and, and choose that road again just for our closeness, I'd definitely find another way to get that. Because it was <laughs> it was painful. Um and sometimes still is. Um but yeah, I, I'd agree with you that God can use even horrible things, um, like sin to to actually eventually build um strength and trust. There's a blog post that we referenced in the show notes by Gary Thomas. And it talked all about how Eve was the first woman and there was really no competition. And Adam thought she was beautiful and just everything about her. And um, the nice thing for them was that there wasn't other women to uh, take Adam's attention. And I think in our first year of marriage, I really thought... I think that's the picture I had in my head. I wasn't jealous of other women and I didn't worry about other women because... I really thought that um, Peter was only looking at me and um, seeking out beauty in me. And then when I found out that that wasn't the case, it was a really, it was a really difficult, um, it was difficult to bear, I think, or just (laughs) come to that realization. But I do think that that was God's design for marriage. And I do think that it is possible for husbands to have a mindset like that, to only have eyes for their wives. And um, it's something that I think all marriages should be striving for. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Even uh, in a world where there's not just two people in the whole world, um, I believe that God designated marriage for us two, me and Crystal, um, to to long for each other and each other only. Like we said in our marriage vows, to forsake all others. Uh, and I believe that God um, helps us with that. Um, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Uh, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Uh, but when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure under it. Uh, basically, how I read that is this this temptation uh, that men go through to, to lust after other women is not uh, an isolated incident. It's something that we can pretty much expect simply for being men. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to give in to that temptation and um, give the devil what he wants. God is there with us that will allow us to stand up to that temptation and say no uh, and to pursue our wives and God himself instead of that. Um, so God will provide a way out to those temptations. And I think it's good to know that he provides those ways. Um, I think, how does that happen? Like, I think there's there's really two things. I think we look at what Job says in Job 31. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Um, and, and just to decide what you're going to look at ahead of time and be proactive about um, what you're not going to look at ahead of time and where you're not going to walk or look or ch- a channel or um, if you're even going to have access to a TV remote control or if you're going to have internet um, filters. Um, but men, make sure that you are careful as to what your eyes are looking at. And I think that is something that as a family, people need to be talking about and discussing with each other. And I think it's different for every family, but discussing boundaries of what is allowable and what what we're not going to put into our home. And I believe that boundaries are appropriate whether you are 8 or 68. If you are a man, 
Um, and there are temptations like this, which I can guarantee if they are a man, they have temptations, that there should be some boundaries set up um, to help them overcome those temptations. Um, and that, like I said, that could go with anything with um, internet access or TV remotes or anything you can think of that could potentially get in the way. There really should be conversations and boundaries um, on those. Uh, but not only with the eyes, I think there's also... Um, a battle in the in the mind, um, and actually, Chris and I have been reading this book by uh, Joyce Meyer called "The Battlefield of the Mind," and I think it's been excellent. But um, Paul hits on this battlefield of the mind, and it's, it says this: It says, "Finally, brothers, uh, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things." Uh, and I think that's been a good one for for my own mind to remember what is good. Um, to just say that verse in my head, to get my mind back to what is good. Um, so I think there's this um, working with making a covenant with your eyes and also working on, on your mind um, that God wants us to do to, to pursue this holy living. And then um, for those of us who have failed in the past is to make sure that we're confessing to Jesus Christ for our forgiveness, um, but also to bring our sin into the light um, of other people so that we can, um, you know, James says that we can be healed. Um, it says in, I'm looking, it's James 5, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, so yes, it's not that we confess to every other person so that we can be forgiven, but it's so that we can be healed. And I think that was, I think that was kind of a roadblock for us for a lot of years was we were ashamed and we didn't want to bring it to the light and talk about it in the open. And I do think that that kind of, I think we could have found healing a lot faster had we done those things. Right. So I think if you're, if you're wondering about your husband or if you have found out stuff or you're a husband that just confessed to your wife, I would, I would suggest to take those steps and do whatever you need to do to, um, to get that sin taken care of and bring it out in the light. Don't hide from it. Cause I do think it is, it is something that many families struggle with. Yeah. I think a great resource to begin with would be Douglas Weiss, uh, who is himself a, um, 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 Christian counselor, um, specifically in this area of lust and pornography. Um, We've referenced, we referenced his website in the show notes. As but well, I, I think so. he provides some, some great um, study notes, um, literature, and also uh, some online material that would be very helpful for a couple to go through together. God created marriage to be very good. He desires that man and wife pursue him together and do his will. In fulfilling that mission, the result will be that they grow closer to each other in love. Resist the devil and his schemes. Come out of the darkness and confess your sins. Work for the marriage that God designed you to have.